Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hey! And today we are bringing you another episode of our listeners' encounters. If you are new here, this is the episode where we read your guys' stories. So if you would like to submit one to us, you can send that over to threespookedgirls at gmail.com. You can send them over anytime. We are always taking submissions. And if you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at threespookedgirls. We also have our awesome Facebook group that has tons of stuff going on. It is threespookedgirls. Girls official. And if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month. From there, two and up gets Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews and plus lines, which is a twice month segment bonus series. We call it different things every time, but it's amazing. Jessica picks fun movies. Definitely check it out. Five and up, you start getting video content. I have my Haunted Ground series, which is on haunted, cursed, possessed, all of the above objects. And I also bring you a coffee recommendation. And those tiers starting there is when you get live streams with us each month, which are a lot of fun. But we have no promo break this episode, so we did want to mention, because we recorded most of May very, very early, and we decided this after the fact, we're going to do a Q&A episode, and we have a little link you can drop your question to in our link tree, so please do so if you want to get to know us if you're newer, or if you're not a newer spookster and you got some random questions for us, send them over, send them over. We're going to be doing that sometime soon. We're figuring that out. (laughs) Basically, when we get some questions, we'll see because pretty much I feel like at this point, the first episode we talked about the Q&A thing is the episode that came out the Monday before this one. (laughs) I'm like trying to think. I'm like, when did this happen? But yes, definitely leave us a question. It doesn't even have to be show related. It can be random. Whatever y'all want to know about us. But I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Jessica for our first story. Okay, so this story doesn't have a name by it, so I cannot tell you who submitted it to me or to us because they didn't provide that name. So, okay, here we go. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My parents and I live in a rural neighborhood about a minute drive from the city. Back in the early 1900s, I researched that the land was all farmland. There was a wooden post in my backyard from the original farm that once stood. We have also found a few horseshoes and old bob wire. I feel like this is just like my life as a child because like (laughs) that's where Mm. (laughs) we found all that stuff. 
Anyways, one night when I was about eight or nine years old, I was in bed when all of a sudden I heard a horse-drawn carriage, clear as day, move in front of my house and go up the street. I heard the sound of horses' hooves scraping against the ground and the wheels of the carriage. I went up to look out the window and saw nothing but a dark road with a few lights on. I went back to bed and a few minutes later I heard it again, right outside my window going up the street. I got up to look again and there was nothing there. I wasn't scared, but I knew for a fact what I heard was real. That was the first paranormal thing that happened to me as far back as I can remember. That's got to be fun. Right? It's like, go big or go home for your first encounter, I guess. (laughs) At least it's like outside your house. Mm -hmm, That's true. I feel like that might make it less scary. I don't know. (laughs) Because it's like, I mean, I don't think they're going to drive it inside. Yeah, true, true. Okay, our next story comes from a listener named Jess, and I confused Jessica earlier because I put their name by it, and she's like, oh, me? (laughs) No. (laughs) Somebody has your same name. Okay, this is a bit long, so I apologize in advance, but I think it's worth reading. Years ago, I was dating this girl. We'll call her X. Pretty close to the beginning of the relationship, when you're still trying to seem cool, X was going to a small bachelor party for one of her friends. He decided he wanted to go ghost hunting. She asked me to go, and me, being a dumbass, agreed even though I preferred not to mess with the paranormal. I'm extremely sensitive to different energies. Fast forward to the night of the ghost hunt. It's me, X, her best friend, we'll call him R, and the dude about to get married, we'll call him D. We go to this little church located in the middle of the cemetery. In the middle of the night, we had to carefully work our way past the headstones, taking care not to step on any graves, to get to the dark church. As soon as we step in the church, I'm immediately aware of how scared I am, but I try to lock it down so I don't ruin the night. R stands in front of the church on a small stage, planning on being the one who speaks to the spirits. D goes and sits in the very back middle of the church. X and I sit in the pews in the middle of the church. I sat close to her as possible with my arm around her, head down and eyes closed. One, because I was scared as hell, and two, so I could hear better. R starts talking and letting the spirits know that we meant no harm and just want to communicate with them. He asks for different signs like taps to let us know that they're there, that someone is with us. Nothing happened right away, but he kept talking. After a bit, I heard a sound, a distinct tap-tap. I let everyone know that it came from the back right-hand corner of the church. I heard the click of a camera and R say, she's right. I have no idea how they knew I was right and I never asked to see the pictures. This happened a few more times and it was quiet for a while. Out of nowhere, I felt a cold presence against the side of my body, across my shoulder, and on my left thigh. The only way I can describe it as it felt like something cold was holding me, the same way I was holding X. Arm around the shoulder, hand on her thigh. We decided to call it a night after that and went home. The next night, X was sleeping over. We were laying in bed and she was already asleep. I suddenly hear and feel a firm tap-tap from under my bed, right in the center. I reach a level of terror so high that I immediately roll over and went to sleep. My brain noped out and decided if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen in my sleep. I woke up fine the next day, but that experience still sticks with me. That relationship didn't last long, but I will never forget the time my dumbass went to a haunted church in the middle of a cemetery in the middle of the night and possibly brought some shit back with me. (laughs) Aww. <laughs> Poor Jess. Yeah. It's always scary when you're like out paranormal hunting and mm. you're like, oh shit, it came with me. That's why you gotta get a good, like, I don't know, woo-woo friend. Mm-hmm. It's like in tune, it's gonna tell you what to do. Like anytime I do any kind of that stuff, I wear my three spooked girls bracelet that Sarah made me because it makes me feel protected. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't know, there's something about it like mm-hmm. coming from her that there's like this extra little blessing on it that's like, mm-hmm. here, my friend, be safe. <laughs> No, for sure, for sure. 
All right. We want to say thank you to our newest patrons and those who have increased their donations since our last listeners episode. We want to say thank you to Amber R, Amber P, Megan, Jen, Sarah, Chrissy, Dontre, Hallie, Samantha, Courtney, Jasmine, Alexandria, Savannah, Amanda, Jessica, Elizabeth, Danny, and Megan. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast and our spooky and true crime endeavors that we have here. It really means the world to us. So thank you all so much. Okay, so our next story comes from Jen. Jen writes, hey, ladies, love the show. The last couple episodes, Jessica's been talking about names, like weird middle names, and the fact that Catherine Knight's parents' names were the same as her mom and dad. So here's my story that happened to my dad. Several years ago, my dad was reading the paper and found a short article about a man named John Edward Burns that had murdered someone. The individual had lived in a house on Predmore Road. You ask the oddity of this. Here it is. My dad's full name is John Edward Burns. And we lived, oh no, we lived for a short time with my grandparents on Predmere Road. (gasps) Oh, that, I just got goosebumps. Right? And I'm like, oh my God, this is like all the guys named Scott Peterson right now that fucking hate their lives because we have a Google alert for him. And then it was like some teacher in the Midwest and who did something great. And I'm like, oh God. (laughs) It's also like Scott Patterson, who is like Luke on the Gilmore Girls and everyone's like, he committed murder. It's like, no, it's not. (laughs) Now I got my goosebumps all shook out. Okay. Talk about weird. The guy with my dad's name was quite a bit older than my dad. And when the murder occurred, we weren't even in the state. But my dad kept the article and would show it to people because of how odd it was. I thought I would share this strange thing. I did try to find the article and if and when I find it, I will send you a copy. Thanks for everything you both do to keep the show great. You are welcome, Jen. And please find that article. (laughs) I'm sorry, but like we need a moment to like freak out. That's such a weird coincidence. That's so creepy. Yeah, I would be like, did I murder someone? Am I sleepwalking and killing people? What's happening? I was going to say, is this like a, uh, like the Selena sleepwalking thing, but like extra, extra fucking dark and not funny? Yeah, like <laughs> took a weird turn. Oh God, that's so funny. I just want her to like sleepwalk and do like snow angels. That's all I wanted all winter. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Okay. Our last story of the evening comes from Kendra and Kendra entitled this The Demon in Dayton. So we got a demon story, y'all. Kendra writes, Hi guys, I'm a big fan, y'all. You guys definitely make my time listening amazing. So the story I'm going to tell you will definitely scare the shit out of you purely for the fact it's 100% true and my mom can definitely confirm it's true. She was there. So was my granny. She has passed. Thank you again for the podcast. I'm sorry, this is a bit of a long story. Y'all never apologize. Never apologize. We live all the details. No, I just, I want to say something to her. Like, I love the fact that you're like, my mom will vouch for me. (laughs) I know, it's so cute. I love that so much because I'd be like, no one would vouch for me. Since I was eight years old, I've always been able to see spirits, but this experience was way more than just seeing or hearing someone or something. This was a whole level of what the fuck I wasn't expecting. At 16, my mom and I moved up to Dayton, Ohio to take care of her sister, whom suffered from alcoholism, but due to a falling out, we ended up moving into this house in the dead center of Dayton. It was an old Jewish home that was solid brick with a breezeway that went from the kitchen to the garage, but between the breezeway and the kitchen was a staircase into the basement. 
When we first viewed the home, there really wasn't any terrible feelings or energies that came to me. The only spirit I had encountered was a little old African-American man in the basement, and he was kind of the protector of the home. So no fear. Well, a month later, my granny moved in from Arkansas with us to Ohio. Immediately, she wanted to change and check a few things out in the house. It had a huge wood fireplace that had been boarded up when she took a crowbar and smashed the board, blocking it into pieces. A bitter cold breeze came rushing out of it. I knew this wasn't good. She also broke a lock to this tiny crawl space on the second floor. Not even a week later, I'm at home doing schoolwork, listening to music, and I hear my granny call my name. So I look over and remove my headphones and ask her, what's up, granny? She looked at me like I was crazy. I didn't say anything. She cocked her head at me, and I shrugged it off thinking maybe I was just imagining shit. A couple days later, we were watching TV in the living area and heard a huge crash from the kitchen. We jumped up and ran into the kitchen area. A huge crock that weighed 10 pounds had come off the counter and was smashed onto the floor. And I looked up and noticed a square mason jar was rolling from one side to the other. I was freaked out to say the least. A few weeks later, I'd been thrown off my horse and temporarily paralyzed, limited movement, and had to stay in bed. One night, I woke up and my TV was on. I noticed someone standing in the doorway and it was huge. It nearly filled the doorway completely and it was solid black with horns on either side of its head. I went into a severe panic attack and started hyperventilating and I yelled for my granny. When she swung her door open across the hall, it disappeared. She was wide-eyed and ran to me asking what was wrong. I freaked out, but I couldn't explain it, so I made the excuse I really had to use the bathroom, as I needed help getting up from my injury. She sighed and helped me. A week later, I was moving around better, but still stiff. We decided to get me out of the house because I had been cooped up for the last two weeks. My mom and granny both noticed around then how my personality would change inside the house. I was irritable and bitchy, ready for a fight. But when we left, I was all happy and normal and quite relaxed, which was normal for me. When we decided it was time to go home, I begged to stay out longer, but it was late and my granny was tired. We pulled up and as soon as I stepped into the house, my granny said something like, man, I'm glad to get in bed. I turned to her and said, oh my God, so mean. Sorry. <laughs> I, just... I turned to her and said, of course you would be, you stupid fucking bitch. I hate you. <gasps> yeah, see? Not to granny. That's why I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> my granny and mom were both taken aback by my response as... I would expect them to be. Holy shit. <laughs> right? I'm picturing, like, my granny. Yeah. My actual, like, grandmother that, like, I treated as a grandmother. Mm -hmm. She just slapped me so hard. <laughs> I once told her to shut up while I was sleeping, like, sleep talking. And I got the whooping of a lifetime. <laughs> my brother was like, she sleep talks. She sleep talks. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. Another week later, I was healed and doing good sitting in the living room. My granny was complaining about how my pet pig, Daisy, would squeak at her just to piss her off. She was standing in front of the stairs when a flat iron came flying down the stairs, not falling, but flying, right at her and landed at her feet, spinning in circles. I gawked and freaked out, asking her if we could just leave for the day, which we did the next day. The little old man came up the stairs and found me, and he looked fearful. He said, you have to leave this house. That thing is going to end up killing you if you don't. I can't hold it off anymore. Please leave and save yourself, child. Aww. Right? It's such a nice little ghost. Mm. I was shaken by what he had told me, and I told my mom, but she wasn't afraid. The straw that broke the camel's back, though, was one night we were all in the living room, my mom, granny, and I, and all of a sudden I looked back into the kitchen and again saw this huge horn figure with its eyes now showing in a deep crimson red. I gulped and grabbed the paper and a marker and wrote out, hush, it's here, it's listening. Tears filled my eyes and I felt as though my voice was gone. My mom said, who's here? I scribbled again, it's here, the creature is here. 
tears began falling from my eyes, my mom saw the fear and yelled, this is my house, you leave this place. And my granny chimed in, this is a house of God and you are not welcome here. The thing rushed up on my mom and she felt its breath on her neck and moved her hair from its breath. And it grabbed my hand and wrote, your God can do nothing for you now. Oh no. Mm. I started hyperventilating severely and cried heavily, but I was not conscious, so this part is from their view. I was struggling for breath and struggling altogether. My granny and mom rushed me, looking into my eyes, which were solid black. I have blue eyes, by the way. And started calling for me and patting my face. I remember feeling like I was being crushed and drained, but my granny's voice and hands softly rubbing my face snapped me out of it. I jumped up crying and begging for us to leave as I was fearful beyond compare. We left and went to a hotel for the night, and the next day, we packed up everything we could in our cars and left Ohio to go back to Arkansas. It was October, and it started snowing as we finished packing our cars up. I was grateful to leave as I believe it was going to try to hurt slash kill me or them. Months later, somebody else moved in the house and contacted my mother asking if things happened when we lived there. We said yes, and the guy told us things were happening, and he kind of researched it, and apparently an old man killed himself outside, the little old man from the basement, I assume. After that, somebody had been doing some black magic rituals, and he said that they summoned something into the house, which explains a lot. He found a huge upside-down pentagram with blood somewhere under some floorboards. Crazy enough, but I can believe it. I'm glad you guys left, though. I know. Me too. Every time I hear of these, like, crazy haunted houses, I keep wondering if they're, like, the same haunted house, but people keep, like, moving out and then, like, other people move in. I'm like, is this the same house? (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? Jeez. So scary. God. All right, y'all. Well, that is going to wrap us up for May's listeners encounters. Thank you guys all so much for tuning into the show. If you would like to submit your own story again, just send it over to our email. That is going to be at three spookedgirls at gmail.com. You can send paranormal or true crime ones as well. So we're going to go ahead and sign off and we'll see you on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Bye.